0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hello, everyone. Ron Spomer back with another RSO podcast. We've got questions and answers again Once again, my wife and Silas, uh, they are trying to stump me and find some questions that I can't answer, and yeah, they're doing a pretty good job of it. We'll see how I do today, but before we get into questions and answers, I need to show you this cover from a magazine this was the wildlife society bulletin this is a publication with all the wildlife researchers and students at universities and such will put their papers in when they've done research on diseases and elk and moose or translocation processes whatever they're working on in wildlife biology it's the journal and one way or another over the years ago i got myself on the cover Beside Aldo Leopold, we were looking through some old magazines and stuff the other day, my wife and I, and we found this, and I said, hey, wait a minute, that's me with Aldo Leopold. Now, I don't know if you know who Aldo Leopold is, but he is sort of the father of modern wildlife management and conservation. He was a professor in Wisconsin, and he wrote a beautiful book that you just absolutely have to read. If you are an outdoorsman, a hunter at all, It's Sand County Almanac, and he is a beautiful writer, and he writes about our relationship with nature and the outdoors. Um, It's just absolutely spectacular. It really captures the heart and soul of what we love about the outdoors. And to, to think that I've got myself as a picture on this cover beside that, Man, (laughs) I told my wife, I got to frame this one. (laughs) It's probably probably have me a little bit misplaced putting me with him. But what it shows is Aldo Leopold with his long bow and a quiver of arrows on his back in a checked shirt like this, a plaid shirt sitting out on a rock somewhere. Looks like he's out west. And then there I am standing on a rock with my modern bow. Well, modern at the time. It's a wheel bow, one of the early compounds. And I have full camouflage on. (laughs) Shows how times have changed from the 1940s until there. Okay, now, now let's get to these questions. So here are the stump the chump questions from Silas and Betsy. First one up is from Isaac at YouTube. And he is referencing a video on the 3030 being similar to or equal to the 308 Winchester. Yeah, I did that one recently. Got quite a bit of interest. Isaac asks... What about the Hornaday bullets made for tubular magazines? Ah, yes. This is referencing your classic .30-30 bullet being flat-nosed or round-nosed. The, re- the reason they make them that way, uh, really probably two reasons, because back in 1894, 95, when they designed the 30 30 those are the bullets they were shooting. But also, it's the tubular magazine, and there's some concern that a sharply tipped bullet in a tubular magazine behind the other bullet uh, stacked right against the primer is how they line up when you shove them into that tubular magazine. And then there's some worry that the recoil could set them off. It essentially turns in that bullet tip into a firing pin and you get a chain reaction. And then there's a lot of debate about whether that actually happens or not, but no one in the manufacturing world of ammunition seems <laughs> to be willing to risk it. So they all make 33s with round nose or flat nose bullets to prevent that potential problem. Except for Hornady. Several years ago, Hornady came out with a flex tip bullet, which is really a smart idea. They now make a fairly sleek, for a 30-30 bullet, fairly sleek nose with a sharp tip. But the tip is flexible rubber. A red flexible rubber, they call them flex tips. And they put those flex tips on both some lead cup and core type bullets, traditional, but also some of the copper bullets. And the flex tip obviously prevents the, any potential for that detonation and it increases the ballistics coefficient and you end up with a little bit better downrange performance out of your 3030. So yes, Isaac, to your question, what about those Hornaday bullets? They do improve the ballistics of a 3030. So it's worth looking into, definitely. Next one is from someone called Rattle Trap. How about you compare a 308 to a 7mm 08? Oh, I do, and I often do, and I've done it. I've done blogs on this. I've done videos on this. And most people who follow me know that I prefer the 7mm 08 over the 308. uh Uh-oh, <laughs> we get into a real fight here. There are 308 lovers who would absolutely, they'd probably give up hunting and shooting before they would give up the 308 Winchesters. I'm not one of them because I've studied the ballistics and I've shot all these cartridges and I have found that not only the 7mm 08 Remington, but the 260 Remington can shoot farther, flatter, harder, drift less in the wind than the 308 Winchester. I know it's sacrilege. How can you say such a thing? Well, it's because it's true. (laughs) This doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the 308. Here's what you're looking at. 308 Winchester is a case that's this size is a 30 at six shortened essentially. The seven millimeter 08 is a 308 neck down to take a 0.284 inch diameter bullet, seven millimeter bullet. And the 260 takes a 26 caliber bullet, a 0.264 inch diameter bullet. So you've got the same powder capacity in all of them. That means that the narrower ones are going to shoot a little bit faster because they're a lighter weight bullet. So you can push it faster with the same powder. Or if they stretch the length of that bullet out and make it as heavy as a 308 bullet, then you've got a higher ballistics coefficient in that bullet. Now, there's a little efficiency to be gained from that 308 by pushing a wider diameter bullet down the bore. You're not going to get quite as much velocity out of the 7 or the 26. But because they're a lighter bullet, they're going to go faster, and they're going to win that way. But keep their weight the same. So we're going to go with, say, a 150-grain bullet in the 308. 150 grain bullet and the 7 millimeter 08. The 7mm 08 bullet, because it is narrower, is not going to drag as much in the wind, and it's going to retain more energy downrange. It's going to drop a little bit less and deflect a little bit less in the wind. Um, same weight bullet, you've got more energy. Tells me it's going to hit harder and be a better hunting bullet, right? You should get better terminal performance out of it. But boy, the 308 people don't want to believe that we've got a bigger bullet. It's a wider bullet. Well, okay. It is a wider bullet, but it's not any bigger if they're both 150 grain bullets. I don't think the deer or the elk is really going to care if the bullet that hit it was a little bit narrower and weighed 150 grains or a little bit wider and weighed 150 grains. In fact, you could argue that the seven millimeter weight bullet being a little bit narrower is going to have a higher sectional density because it's longer. Ah. Really, it doesn't matter, guys, because these differences I'm talking about at 300, 400 yards, they probably don't amount to an inch. (laughs) An inch less drop, an inch less drift than the wind. What? Silly. I like to just dote on the numbers. And knowing that the 708 is a little more efficient, that's what I like to go with. But again, I could probably better the 708 performance with the 260 Remington. Either one is going to do fine. All three of them are going to do absolutely fine. If you like the 30 calibers, go with your 308. If you like 7mm, go with the 708 and ditto on the 26, although with the 26, the 260 Remington, most people would take the 65 Creedmoor just because it does almost the same thing as the 260, a little bit slower if you max them both out. But they're just so much more popular and easy to come by that most people can't even find a rifle chamber for a 260 Remington anymore, which is a shame because it's a great little cartridge. Oh, well, that's the situation, Ronald Trap. <laughs> Pick your favorite and have fun. All right, good one. Now, this is from Cole, and he's referencing uh, YouTube I did on the world's smallest and biggest rimfire cartridges. He says, I know the video is a little bit old, but what about that 17 Hornet? I think it used to be called a Wildcat cartridge. You're half right and half wrong. <laughs> it, it was a Wildcat cartridge. It no longer is. They legitimized it. And it's not a rimfire, it's a centerfire. So the 17 Hornet was made as a Wildcat by necking the 22 Hornet down to 17 caliber. Take a 17 caliber bullet and there you go. But it was a Wildcat for like 50 years. The 22 Hornet came out in 1930 and that Hornet didn't come out as a legitimate factory cartridge until I think about 2007 or so. So it was about 50 years after, oh, that's more like 70 years. At any rate, Hornady decided to do it, and they changed it up a little bit. So you can't necessarily use the old-style Hornady chambers in any rifle. If you've got an old Wildcat rifle chambered for it, double-check to see if the Hornady's factory ammunition fits. They may have changed the shoulder angle on it a little bit, maybe made it a little longer or a little shorter, who knows. But the gist of it is that you've got a 22 Hornet neck down to 17. You've got a 17 Hornet center fire. You can reload them. And they're surprisingly powerful. Uh, now, not powerful, but fast. 3,600 feet per second, I think, is kind of the standard from the Hornady ammunition. So that is a screaming little bullet, 3,600. Other 17s are the 17 Fireball, which was the Remington 221 Fireball neck down. They might change the shoulder on that again, too. That was a Wildcat for a while. And then Remington uh, legitimized that in the early 2000s, too, around 2008 or so, I believe. Um, That one goes, gosh, I think they're pushing a 20-grain bullet around 4,200 feet per second with that. Somewhere in that range. And then, of course, there's the fastest 17, which is the also the oldest. The Remington 17, 17 Remington. I think it was a two twenty three neck down to 17 caliber. There's a lot of powder behind that, baby. And that can push a bullet, a 20-grain bullet, about 4,300 feet per second. So those are some extremely fast little pills. Yep. Of course, you're going to be shooting varmints and targets with it is about all that just a lot of guys will use it though for fur a pretty good little fur option especially the hornet if i were calling foxes coyotes bobcats and going for the fur and didn't want to damage it i'd take a hard look at that 17 hornet i'd want those animals in pretty close just a pretty tiny little bullet but generally you you get inside with no pelt damage it's really nice all right now, this is from Jeffrey. He's also responding to something on YouTube. I have a question for you. My daughter is 22, and she wants to get into hunting. She shots some of my rifles. She wants a rifle that does it all, <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> my thoughts are the 308 Winchester and the 7mm 08. I would appreciate your opinion on these two. Ha, thanks and God bless. <laughs> well... Folks who know me quite well will probably figure, well, Ron's going to run down the 308 again and pick the 7mm 08, and they're right. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with the 308. And actually, if your daughter's choosing between those two, I personally would take the 7mm 08 Remington because it has a little bit better ballistics performance. But for pragmatic reasons, I think you can go with the 308 Winchester. The ballistic differences are so minimal, you really aren't going to appreciate it in a hunting rifle. And the 308 ammunition is just so much more diverse. It comes from every manufacturer with every kind of a bullet you could think of, including match grade ammunition. And there's usually lower priced ammunition too, just because there's so much of it. There's so much competition in the 308 Winchester. And the recall is going to be about the same. You got to remember, it's the same case. It's the 308 Winchester short action case. It holds the same amount of powder, whether you've got a 30 caliber bullet on top of it or a 28. Caliber bullet on top. And that's what the 708 is. They just necked it down to seven millimeter or 0.284 diameter bullet. So you're essentially using the same powder. And if you're pushing 150 grain bullet in each one of them, recoil is going to be the same. But the seven millimeter bullet, because it is narrower, it's going to have a higher ballistics coefficient, less drag, going to go a little bit farther, hit a little bit harder, deflect a little bit less in the wind. But again, minimal an inch, maybe two inches at four 500 yards. Nah, not worth worrying about. I like to nitpick about that stuff, but pragmatic hunters don't need to worry about it. So, good luck to you and your daughter with your new 308 Winchester or 7mm 08 Remington. All right, here's one from a fellow calling himself Frymerch. And he is referencing um, a video I did on YouTube about the flattest shooting cartridge. And he asked, Well, what about the 300 PRC? How does it rate? Well, Frymerch, the 300 PRC is a Really, it's only pushing the same bullets as the 300 wind Mag, and maybe 50 feet per second faster, at most 100 feet per second faster, which is nice, but not fast enough to win the flattest shooting in the 30 calibers. You've got a, a 300 Weatherby Magnum that's faster. You've got the 3378 Weatherby that's really screaming the 300 Remington Ultra Magnum. So several are faster than the PRC. The PRC, the 300 PRC, is wasn't really designed to be the fastest. It was designed to be superbly accurate at long range. I think the military was looking for a round that would be a little more reliably accurate than the 300 Win Mag. And it's partly because of how they designed the chamber and the throat area, match grade specifications really, and the ammunition to match. So it's not a lot different than the 300 Win Mag except for that everything is optimized for supreme accuracy. And they may have put a faster twist barrel on it too to handle some really long bullets. Good one. Now, this one is Chiquita Speaks. Chiquita, I don't know if that's a banana or not, but Chiquita Speaks asks uh, a tip, Ron. The BC on the changing in the markets and the regulations and when you're relaying information on bullet weights in your videos, You should try to include some separate information for solid copper bullets. Um, Not quite sure I understand the question here, Chiquita, but I, I think what you're driving at is that there are different BCs or performance characteristics of copper bullets, monolithic copper alloy bullets, no lead inside, so they're not as heavy. So your BCs change. BC is a product of the weight of the projectile and the shape of the projectile its form, and its diameter, those three things. So if you keep the bullet the same length and the same shape with the same pointy nose, et cetera, et cetera, make one out of copper, one out of a lead, you're going to have a higher BC from the lead because of the weight. So you have to stretch those copper bullets longer, and then you can get your BCs back up. As far as your trajectories, both the drops and the deflections in the wind, they're identical as long as your muzzle velocity and your ballistics coefficient are identical. But you don't usually get those to be identical because if you make your copper bullets long enough to keep your BCs matching to those heavier lead core bullets, they can get too long to stabilize in a lot of rifles. It just depends. You just need to really study that stuff. But as far as putting in the data, yeah, I probably could do that, but really it's no different than putting in the data for a lead core bullet because those are all going to vary too based on how they're shaped. You can get a 150 grain round nose bullet in a 30 caliber and a 150 grain boat tail spire point in 30 caliber and the spire point is going to have a heck of a lot different trajectory than that round nose. Same thing applies with a copper. Really, I, this is the interesting thing about ballistics. If you have the ballistics coefficient of your bullet and your muzzle velocity the same. It doesn't matter if your bullet's a 22 caliber or a 50 caliber, although it's pretty hard to get those two to match, but the point is those are the two parameters that determine your trajectory, both the drops and the deflections. It's the ballistic coefficient and the muzzle velocity. Now the change in the mass or the weight has a big difference on the energy delivered downrange, obviously but it's pretty cool to see that you could get a pretty small bullet in a light caliber and match up exactly to the flight path of a heavier bullet that has the same muzzle velocity and same ballistics coefficient as your smaller caliber bullet. It's kind of fun playing around with those ballistic calculators. I definitely recommend it. All right. This is Gene from YouTube. Now I don't know if that's Gene or Jean or exactly how that'd be pronounced, but J E A N, we thank you for the question. Let's see. The two of you are complimentary. One is goofy. Oh, that must be Hootie. Hootie too. Hootie. Hootie who. Uh, there's a gentleman who has a uh, a YouTube channel. He's real popular and he's just a fun guy and he's he's always just having a great time on his videos and people love him. And we interviewed him for one of our videos. So this must be asking about that. So the two of you are complementary. One is serious and the other one is goofy. Guess which one? I hope you mean that. Who do? It's goofy. But you both give super interesting information on different aspects of hunting and shooting. If I was to suggest anything that you could do, uh, approach new subjects is the distance at which bullets go when they're fired at the longest range possible. Oh, maximum trajectory, maximum distance. This is interesting because it's very important to know how far bullets can hit people when they're fired at a high angle. That is a good point. And I think what we're talking about here, of course, is at what angle would you tilt your barrel to launch your bullet so that it would go the farthest? And then how far would it go? Well, the angle is about 30 degrees, as I've always heard it. 30, 30, 33, somewhere in that range. And if you get that tilted just right, whatever you're shooting, you're going to get the maximum distance before it hits the ground. Now, what is that distance? That's the serious question that he's wondering about. And obviously, it varies based on your muzzle velocity and your ballistics coefficient. Again, those are always critical. So if you have a really fast bullet, with a high ballistics coefficient it is going to go a lot further than a stumpy one that's moving slowly. 22 long rifle, 40 grain bullet. They usually say a mile and a half. I think probably a mile and a quarter to a mile and an eighth is a little more realistic, but still that's surprisingly far for that little 22. And then you step up to say a 223 and you're probably picking up closer to two miles. 308 Winchester, 168 grain bullet, pretty high BC on that, around 5 to 525. Push that thing around 2,900 feet per second. I'm guessing you're going to have probably three and a half miles reach on that. Man, that's getting out there, isn't it? And then I've read some stuff on the really big, heavy, fast, sleek bullets. Say, uh, 338 Lapua Magnum. 285 grain bullet 300 grain bullets somewhere in that range i think they just go generally push those around 2700 feet per second and i've heard that they can go four and a half maybe even five miles the point is obviously you don't want to take horizon shots this is why we always say don't shoot anything on the horizon you don't know what's beyond the horizon you don't know how far back that bullet could fly so even handguns can go surprisingly far. So the safe thing is obviously always have a safe backdrop when you're shooting. If you've got the world's record elk standing on a ridgetop against a blue sky, <laughs> I'm sorry, folks, but it is just not a safe shot. Don't risk it. There's somebody back there, two, three miles walking along and your bullet lands right where it's not supposed to. What a tragedy. You just don't want something like that to happen. Obviously, it's it's rare Crazy things have happened, but it's not very often you hear about some bullet coming out of nowhere and hitting somebody. On occasion, though, and boy, I sure hate to be the person pulling the trigger on that one. So I just recommend that everyone have a safe backstop for that bullet. If you miss your animal, you want to hit the ground behind it. Good question. All right. Those are some great questions, folks. We really appreciate you sending those in. Hey, if I got anything wrong, you know the job, guys. You got to straighten me out. So Write in and let us know what we screwed up, and we will correct it next time through. Uh, We'll pull those comments out, and I'll read them on the air and give you guys credit for straightening me out. I don't know all of this stuff. I just try to come close. I've studied a lot of it over the years, but, man, is it getting hard to remember. You know, there are over, I think, 150 cartridges that have gone obsolete already since the 1850s, and then you've got all the ones that are still extant, still out there, I counted up the other day. There's something like 15 different legitimate 7-millimeter cartridges alone and about that many 30s. And then you've got the 26s and 5s and 4s and 2s. And, oh, my gosh, there's a lot to remember, guys. So I appreciate the questions, though. And um, we'll, working together, get all this stuff straight. In the meantime, it's just fun to talk about it and learn new things and figure out what we had wrong all this time. Hey, this is Ron Spomer signing off. You can visit me at ronspomeroutdoors.com. That's our website. And on there, you can find rsotv.com, which is a subscription service to see some of our videos on guns and shooting and hunting, and you know, things we can't necessarily show on public forums. And you can also find us at our other YouTube channel, which is Ron Spomer Outdoors, and we cover a lot of ballistic stuff on there too. Appreciate it, folks. Hunt honest and shoot straight.
0: Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver. Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.